Well, good morning, church. I'm so glad that you've chosen to worship God with us. I don't know about you, but I feel like my world has been flipped upside down. When I was preparing for this sermon, uh, I did it sitting on my front porch watching my kids ride their bikes in the street, and it just felt different. Life just feels different. And so Josh and Van, I thank y'all so much for that song because it reminds us that, yeah, God has the power to just remove this virus. God has the power to do whatever God wants, but for whatever reason, God chooses not to. But just like Phil said on the comments, God uses adversity to bring us closer to God and closer to each other when we allow it. In fact, the greatest story ever told, the story of this week, is that God, rather than removing suffering from himself, brought all the suffering on the world so that you and I might be saved. The crucifixion represents Jesus dying on the cross. And at that moment, evil thought that it had won the day. At that moment, here is the Son of God killed in the most graphic and horrifying way that humans can dream up. And yet, God takes the most evil, the darkest, the most violent, the most reprehensible way to kill a person and turns it to the good. God is with us. God is going to make good come from the situation. And if we need any evidence to that, all we have to do is to look to Holy Week. You know, throughout the week this week, we are going to have videos from different people from Rockbridge and from Good News who are going to share with you what Jesus was doing each and every day. And I hope that it will help you draw closer into the presence of God. You know, it's so hard for me here. Preaching to you guys, actually, I'm not even preaching to you guys. I'm staring straight at a a camera. (laughs) And it's so hard. I'd much rather be staring at your faces. But in the wisdom of our age, we know that the wisest thing for us to do is to stay home. And what's amazing is we felt the power of the Holy Spirit, even though we are separated by distance. God is with us. God is on our side. You know, on the cross, Jesus could hardly breathe. To breathe, he would have had to pull himself up, and to do so would have meant excruciating pain because of the nails in his hands and in his feet. Imagine how difficult it was to speak. And yet he says seven words, seven sentences, that we, through the church, throughout the history of the church, has thought to be incredibly important. And hear those words. And they actually relate to the five practices that we've been talking about. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus reaching out to God in prayer. Just like we talked about the importance of worship and prayer. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus is quoting scripture, showing that studying scripture helps us through the most difficult times. Behold your son talking to Mary, his mother, Behold your mother talking to John, Jesus serving even on the cross, making sure that someone was there to take care of his mother. Father, forgive them for they, because they know not what they do. Jesus sharing a witness. Think about those around him, those who would even harm him and their own salvation more than his own pain. Today I will be with you in paradise. When he speaks to the thief or the bandit or the revolutionary who's on the cross next to him, Thinking about him being with Jesus in that last moment. I thirst. When Jesus had all of his life poured out for all of us, he admitted his thirst. And then finally, it is finished, drawing all of it together. These five practices that we've been talking about 
Worship and prayer that is supposed to be as close to us as breath. Studying and listening to scripture, serving our neighbors, sharing our generosity and our witness. These are reflected in Jesus' life. And in these last moments when Jesus, when every breath pain Jesus, he had words to share with us. And today they're going to tell us about how deeply Jesus was committed to his walk with Christ and how deeply we too should be committed to our walk. And that if we commit to doing these five acts, that our life with Christ will be even stronger, even in the midst of social distancing. Our first commitment that we talked about was worship. How we are called to be a living hallelujah and how worship is like breathing. It is that important to us. Jesus speaks three times from, in, in prayer from the cross. Two of them from scripture. The first time from Psalm 22.1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The second one is, into your hands I commit your spirit. And the third, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus spent his life in prayer and worship. Before he went on his earthly mission, he spent 40 days in the desert fasting. He constantly was talking to the Father. He would constantly withdraw in prayer because he knew that he needed a deep relationship with God. And part of what Jesus did coming into this earth is to show us how to live. Worship and prayer have to be essential to our life. And just like Jesus, who in his darkest time went to God in prayer, we need to go to prayer today, now, more than ever. If we were to say, it is well with our soul. If we're able to say, even if God, even if you don't take this affliction from us, even if, then we still trust you. It's only through a deep relationship with God in prayer. I don't know about you, but I've actually had a really hard time with this. I don't know why during this time of social distancing in the midst of COVID-19, but I have struggled to go to God in prayer. What I've realized is that when a moment of my lowest point, when I was feeling lost and alone and just frustrated with the situation, I got on my knees and I prayed. And I felt the Spirit of God. I felt God comfort me. I felt God loving me. I felt God encouraging me. Church, we need to go to prayer more now than ever. And when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was saying that in that moment, as he was quoting Psalm 22:1, he felt distance from God. This is the one who had been with God since the creation, felt distance from God because he was taking all of the sin and the suffering of the world on his self that you and I have life. If Jesus goes to God in prayer in his suffering, so should you and I. What do you need to pray to God about? I'd love for you to post in the comments. I know for me, I need to lift up praise. Praise for my family. Praise for what God is doing in my life, for how, how God is calling me to live. I'm so thankful to see God active in my life. What is God calling you to pray about? One thing I want you to add to your list is to pray for Pastor Jim. You know, I'm so excited. I trust God, and we are in God's hands. And I know that in, in the midst of a pandemic, it must be incredibly difficult to trust God to say there is a new pastor who is going to be here in July. I can't even imagine what that's like for you. I know it's hard. 
But what God needs for us is to pray, to pray for Pastor Jim and his family, to pray for this church, and to pray for ourselves that we can trust God and know that God's hands are all over this, guiding this process so that we can follow with all of our hearts and all of our minds. The second practice that we talked about is studying and listening to Scripture. I made the bold request that you actually stop reading Scripture, but that you start listening to it, that you start let it form within you. Jesus clearly had a deep relationship with Scripture. When he was in the desert for, for 40 days, and he was tempted by the devil, it is to Scripture that he turned. Throughout his life, he was quoting Scripture, he was fulfilling Scripture. It was as important to him as breath. And it so should be for us, too. When Jesus struggled on the cross, he turned to Scripture once again. First, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from Psalm 22.1? And then from Psalm 31.5, he said, into your hands I commit your spirit. This is powerful. William Barclay says that this is most likely a prayer that mothers would have taught their children. Much like when we would pray, I lay me down to sleep, the Lord my soul to keep. Now think about Jesus turning to that on the cross. The same prayer that his mother had taught him as a child, he turns to and says, Father, I commit my spirit. To commit is to fully trust God. Can you say that right now? As we're separated, as we are full of anxiety and fear, do you commit your spirit to God? If Jesus, who is hanging on the cross, can say, into your hands I commit my spirit, so can you. Trust God. Trust God with your life. Trust God with your future. Trust God with everything that you have. This is why we pray the Lord's Prayer every week. This is why I encourage you to memorize Scripture as a family. This is why, parents, I beg you to read Scriptures with your children. It was Scripture, probably taught to him by his mom, that Jesus turned to on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit your spirit. I commit my spirit. What scriptures give you encouragement now? For me, one of the ones that have always brought me encouraging moments in difficult times is Philippians 4, 7, that the peace of God surpasses all understanding. I don't understand it. I don't know how it works. I just know that when I call out to God in the midst of the storm, that God calms the seas and I feel Christ's peace. Our third act is serving. Jesus showed us that the life that we are called to is a life of service. In fact, in Matthew 20, 28, he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Throughout his life, he served. He served other people. This person in Jesus, whom we are told that all things were created through, the person that we know that binds the universe together, came to serve. In fact, when Jesus, on the, on the week of the night before he would give himself up for us, would strip off his outer garments and take a towel and a basin full of water and wash his disciples' feet. What Jesus was doing was the act of the lowliest servant. It's not like us where we have our nice clean shoes and socks and feet are still disgusting even today, right? They walked barefoot. 
And they walked in the same places that the animals trod, which means that the animals' refuse was there as well. These were dirty, mud-soaked, disgusting feet. And Jesus knelt and he washed them as an act of service. And the cross, he does the same thing. He looks to his mom and he says, woman, this is your son. And he looks to John and he says, here is your mother. On the cross, when he was already serving all the world by being a ransom for our sins and taking all the sin of the world for us, he took the time to take care of his mom. What he was asking is for John to take his mom into her house, into his house, and take care of her for his life because he knew he would not be able to, that Jesus knew he would not be able to. On the cross, Suffering in this vile way, he thought to take care of his own mom. Acts of service are what we're called to, church. Not little acts of service, although those are wonderful. Deep, life-changing acts of service. And I know it's hard. We can hardly even get out of our homes right now. But I call you to acts of service. Who is God calling you to serve? Who is God calling you to serve? You know, it's easy for me to get caught up and narrow my focus onto myself and my family and those closest to me. But the church has got to be the church. One area that we can do that is by serving the families of the young lives' moms. You know, we sent out a need and, and asked for several requests, and I ask you to gather those items. We'll send them out again this week. Continue to gather those items for those who are in need. Take food to the food bank. And if you can't get food at the grocery store, make donations to the food bank. Find out which one of your neighbors is in need. Find a person who can't go to the grocery store and go shopping for them. Whatever it is, serve them as Christ serves you from the cross. The fourth call is a commitment to generosity. On the cross, Jesus said, I am thirsty, John 19, 28. This is after Jesus accomplished everything. Now remember, this is from the one who said to the woman at the well that he has living water. And if she would only ask him, then she could drink from it and have eternity. The one who has living water, the well that can never dry up, is now saying, I thirst. Jesus poured it all on the cross. So much so that he cried out in thirst. Everything he had. God gave what was most precious his one and only son, that's whoever who had life, whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the generosity of the cross. This is the generosity of Christ for us, for all the world who poured out everything that he had. And he said, I am thirsty. How is God calling you to be generous with your gifts, with your time, and with your service? And last commitment that we're called to make is witness. We're called to share the greatest gift, the gift I just talked about, that Jesus poured out everything for us on the cross. And we're called to share it. Jesus said on John, in John 12, 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everything to me. Jesus' death was a powerful witness to the world. He was a ransom for all of us, is what we just read a few minutes ago. And yet on the cross, he continued to witness. 
He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Luke 23, 34. This is the third prayer that Jesus speaks. And yes, he is preaching it to the, the Jewish leaders who arrested him and convicted him of a crime he didn't do. He's preaching to the Jewish soldiers, I mean the Roman soldiers who have beaten him, who have flogged him, who have gambled his stuff and nailed him on the cross. And he's saying it to his followers who have abandoned him. But he's saying it for all of us. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Tony Campola in a sermon once mentioned that because Jesus is outside of time, in that moment, he could see all the sin that had ever been, and he could look forward and see all the sin that would ever happen. Everything that we have done, every mistake that we have made, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. On the cross, suffering for us, Jesus still witnessed to us. Not only that, there were two people crucified with Jesus. Some versions say thieves, some say bandits. I think they were revolutionaries because that's generally who the Romans would put up on crosses. One of them mocked Jesus and said, if you are really the son of man, if you really have the power, then get off this cross. He mocked him. But the other one said, this is the son of man. This is the son of God. And he asked Jesus, when you come in your kingdom, remember me. And on the cross, Jesus said his second to last thing, today you will be with me in paradise, Luke 23, 43. On the cross, as he suffered, he thought about sharing his faith with the man who suffered next to him. Church, if Christ can do it from the cross, you and I can do it from the pandemic. There are people in your life there are people you know right now who need you. You have the strength. You have the ability and you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Witness to them as Jesus witnessed to us. Finally, Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. Now, this is not a sad moment. In fact, this is one of the greatest moments in history. The Greek word is telestai, which means complete. And this is much in, in the same way. This is a celebration. This is something we would say out of, in grand celebration, out of what has been done. It is finished. All of the work that Jesus had been doing up to that point was finished on the cross. This is not a cry of defeat. This is the cry of victory of God winning the battle over sin and death and evil once and for all. Through divine drama, victory had been won and Satan defeated. It is finished. I want to share with you the words of Isaac Watts' wonderful hymn, I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in death of Christ, my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them through his blood. See from his hand, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thones compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were at present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. 
We see on the cross that Jesus practiced worship and prayer, scripture, service, generosity, and witness. Church, we are called to do the same with everything we have, with every fiber of our being. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands our souls, our lives, our all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.